Is everybody ready to do Bible study today? Yeah, I'm excited about this. My favorite thing to do. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to sink into our hearts, God, that it will make the decisions in our life for us, Lord. Touch everybody who's listening online and everybody who made the trip to come here in person, Lord. We worship you and thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. Well, we're talking about a subject that I love. Today we're going to be talking about the authority of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about authority and how it transfers and how we're supposed to be acting as the body of Christ on the earth today. So let's get into it. We're going to start in Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 through 20. And the Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Elzir, the priest. Did I say that right, Elder? <laughs> Good enough. Before the whole community, and public, publicly commission him to lead the people. And transfer some of your authority to him, so the whole community of Israel will obey him. So in this verse here, it talks about authority and how authority can be transferred. So we see that they, they bring up Joshua. He's going to be taking the place of Moses and leading the people into the promised land. And in order for him to lead those people into their promise, man, that's good. He had to have the authority passed down to him from Moses because Moses had the authority of, of God over the people. And there's a long story on how he came to hold that authority and wield that authority. But we know that we're to be Christ's body here on the earth today. So we're going to talk a little bit about authority and how we operate in Christ's authority. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8, where Christ is going to teach us a little bit about authority. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Man, there's a lot of people in this world today that don't feel like they're worthy enough to have Jesus come into their house. You know, in the, in the old days, the, you know, they made Moses put a veil over his face because he reflected God's radiance and they couldn't take the brilliance of God's glory. And I feel like we have a world today that's in the same position where they have a hard time taking God's glory and, and I'm not good enough and you can't, you can't come to my house, God. Send a servant and said, send one of your soldiers and said, and that's exactly who we are. And even though other people may not feel good enough to have God come into their house, they can open up enough to let me come in. Because who am I? But we can move into that house with the authority. So he says, say the word from where you are, my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or do that, 
they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and he turned to those who were following him and said, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. So Jesus connected his faith to the fact that he had an understanding of authority. And I talked a little bit about how, a few weeks ago, about how faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hey, brother. And when we say hope, we're talking about the Christian hope, which is a confidence in the word of God. So when I have faith and I'm moving in faith, I'm walking on the promises of God. And understanding the authority of God gives us that confident hope so we can move forward. But we have to understand the word and then we have to understand how authority works. If I know the word of God says that God is going to never let my kids go hungry, I can stand on that promise and activate my faith in that because I understand the authority that God has to back his word. God's going to back what he has promised us. So he says, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for who the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick and in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her and she got up and prepared a meal for him. So immediately the servant was healed because Jesus spoke and the understanding of authority working with the faith made it happen like that. Then Jesus goes to Peter's house and we see another person who's sick and in bed and Jesus touches her and heals her and she gets up and goes back to work. So we're starting to see the character of who Jesus is. He's a healer. He likes to fix people's situations and make them better. This is part of God's character. He's, it goes on to say, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out evil spirits with a simple command. So people are coming to him with evil spirits. Now, this has really been getting to me lately. Like, I used to, when I was younger, I would look at people who were struggling with sin, and I would look at it like, well, they're just making bad decisions. And some of that, yes, we do make bad decisions as human beings. But I'm start, you know, I've been seeing more and more of the spiritual struggle that people go through. A lot, a lot of what we see in our world, and you, you'll watch your friend who, who keeps bumping into the same mistake, and you're like, how, how can he keep doing this mistake? And that's because there are people who are under spiritual attack. Who, have, who are bound in, in dark spirits that we, working under the authority of Christ, can loose them from. Especially if we understand authority and we work in our faith. So it says that he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the words of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. 
who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Now, I know it's hard to talk about healing and sickness being taken away when we live in a world where we know people who are sick and need healing. But the Bible isn't going to stop being true just because situations on earth exist. We still serve a God who can heal. Does anybody believe that today? Yeah, we still serve a God who can heal. But we are His body. So we have to do the work of His body. Jesus isn't walking around laying hands on people, but He still takes all of our sicknesses and removes all of our diseases. But He does it in a process. When He was here on earth, He walked around physically in His body. He spoke words out to them. He laid His hands on them. He touched them. And their lives were healed. But now, we're His body. So we need to be speaking words into people's lives. We need to be laying hands on people and praying for them. And doing so understanding the fact that we are working in the authority of Christ. So let's move on to Matthew chapter number 9. Jesus climbed into a boat, starting in verse 1 through 8. And he went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. You know, it, it is anytime I'm preparing a Bible study, it is very hard for me to leave this passage out. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but no matter what I'm teaching, no matter what I'm talking about, this fits right in place. And I feel like we can always talk about it and use it. But there's so much going on in this passage. For one, we have somebody who's paralyzed. Somebody who's unable to move in God. There's, there's a message behind people who are paralyzed and how God can get them up on their feet and moving again. And of course, Jesus doesn't talk to this man's situation. He doesn't talk to his physical body needs. He addressed his spiritual needs first. He says... Be encouraged, for your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, This is blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Who do you think you are? You think you're God in flesh down here? And we have the same situation today. If I see somebody who's paralyzed in fear, and I go to them and I tell them, guess what? You're saved. Don't worry about what, what the devil's trying to convince you that you can be sad and depressed and upset about. You're going to heaven. You're going to be all right. There are going to be people around who are going to say, who do you think you are? That's blasphemy. You're not God. You can't forgive that person's sins. Just like they did Jesus. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So Jesus correlates here, which is easier to say to somebody? Is it easier for you to tell your friend who doesn't think he's saved, you can be saved? Or is it easier to tell the person who's sick in a hospital bed, you can be healed? 
It should be easier for us to tell people that they can be saved. And I don't know why, but it seems like that's a hard thing to do in this world today. When I tell someone, they're saying, well, I don't, you know, am I really, I don't know. Well, you don't understand authority. And you don't understand faith. Because Christ died on the cross. And his authority covers my sins. And he said that I'm free. So if I put my faith in the word of God, understanding how authority works, then nobody can argue with me about my salvation. And I can freely hand people salvation. This is how you're saved, people. All you have to do is believe in Christ, repent, be baptized. He works out the rest in your life. But I have to be willing to speak that into people's life. I have to be willing to tell them, guess what? You can be saved. And we also need to be able to speak into people's life that they can be healed. Does that mean the first time I pray for them, if they don't jump up out of bed and there's a miraculous miracle, then I better quit talking that? No. God talks about a persistent prayer life, an ongoing knocking, yes, a continual request before God. But it also says that He's good, He's faithful, and He does provide. Brother Brandon right here on the front row could testify to that. He's been, he's been working at getting a house and God, and there's been doors that have been closing. And I, I, I love that his faith has been strong throughout it all. Because even when I'm getting discouraged, he's like, it's okay, Dad. God's going to work it out. But now God has been opening doors. Now he's got a place. He's working on it. God's, God's already making the miraculous happen because he didn't stop knocking. Because he kept going. Because he refused to let the lies of the devil change what the Word of God has promised us in our lives. So to prove that I am the Son of Man and that He has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. So Jesus performed a miracle and a healing process to show that salvation is possible. When we pray for healing and we pray for things in our life, it's not just so that God can be a vending machine and we can push a button and we can get what we want when we need it. But it's to show that this life isn't what matters. There's another life that's coming that matters. The reason we're filled with the Holy Ghost is to show that we have a spiritual rebirth to confirm that when we die, our bodies are going to be reborn the same way. So all of this is a process of letting us know that there's more to come and this life isn't what matters. There's another life that matters. But healings take place to show God's power, to show His character, to show His love, and to show how He answers the promises that He's given us. And the man jumped up and went home. And fear swept through the crowd when they saw this happen. And they praise God for giving humans such authority. Man, do we need to have that wave sweep through our world today? Wouldn't it be amazing for our whole world to stand up and take notice that there are human beings on this earth filled with the same authority that Christ had to forgive sins, 
to tell them that they're saved, to tell them that they can make it, to heal their wounds, to make them healthy and strong, to encourage them and lift them up. These are the great things that Christ was able to do on this earth. And He went to heaven to prepare a home for us and gave us this great responsibility. Not without help, but it's still our responsibility. So let's go to Matthew 9, verses 35 38. And Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. So there are none that, that escaped him. There are, no, there are no diseases that God can't cure. There's not going to come out something in the future that God does not have power over. He still holds the power over all disease and all illnesses. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So here's God with all this ability to heal all sickness and disease and, and to forgive sins. Yet, he's filled with compassion when he sees the crowd and how lost they are. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. So this is Christ showing you his heart. Like we pray to God all the time. Here is an example of what Christ is praying. He looks out and he sees the hurting. And he sees the broken. And he sees a world that's in need of him. And it breaks Christ's heart. And he prays out, Lord, send me some people who are willing to go to this world and do the work that I've came to do. The Lord who is in charge of the harvest. So it's God's, it's God's responsibility to bring people to salvation. But He needs workers who are willing to go and spread the good news. I want to be one of those. Hey man, we're all one of those guys. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost and we're full of the power and the Spirit of God, that's what we're called to do. The original disciples were called to be witnesses to the resurrection. We are called to be the same today. And I can't take people over to the hill and say, show them the blood on the ground and show them the empty tomb because we don't live over there. <laughs> we're in America. But I can show them the resurrection power in, in my life as an example and in their own. If they'll turn to God, He'll clean their situation. He'll heal them of their disease. He will fix what's wrong with them. And we've got to be willing to tell people that and stand in that authority. So let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. And Jesus called His 12 disciples together. And he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Wow. And this is before Christ died. 
and before we had the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, he still, with his authority, he gave them the ability to cast out evil spirits. We have that power. When we see people who are battling with depression and anxiety, those are evil, dark spirits that we have the authority to cast out of their life. And how we can do that through love, through, through fellowship, and from speaking the word of God into their life. Telling them the promises that God has written down in his book for us. Here are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, then Andrew, and James, and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas Iscariot. And Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel. Now, that has changed. Thank God. <laughs> Christ tore down the wall of hostility. Now we're free to go open to the world and call everybody to this great news. God's lost sheep. So go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So this is Jesus sending out his apostles. Just like we're sent out today in his authority. We have the ability to cast out evil spirits. We have the ability to heal the sick. We have to understand this authority. It's not Dan Tackett doing it. Christ sent them out. I'm not Dan Tackett healing. This is the body of Christ doing what he's done for 2,000 plus years. This is what Christ has always done. He's using me as a vessel. has nothing to do with me. But his power flows through those who are willing to be used by him. Hallelujah. So he says, go. So he tells him, I'm going to give you this power. But here's what I want you to do. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And we have received things freely. God has given us salvation freely. I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to give something so I could receive the Holy Ghost. God filled me with his Holy Ghost power because I believed in him. I had faith. But that Holy Ghost power is what gives us the ability to preach, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cure those with leprosy, and to cast out demons. Now, everything with God is a relationship and a partnership. So I'm working with the Holy Spirit. That's why He gave me the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to just go down to the morgue and touch every dead body that comes in because I've got that power in me, you know. But what I should be doing is I should be relying on the Holy Ghost and understand that the Holy Ghost is what's leading me in my life. So, if I find myself in a position, I'm in a store and a body falls over in front of me and they're laying there and they're dead and they're gone and God speaks to me in the Holy Ghost and says, walk over there and put your hands on them. That I'll raise them from the dead. I shouldn't doubt what the Holy Ghost has told me. Because I'm, it's not me. I don't have to go over there and physically bring them back to life. But I know that the authority comes from Him. And if He tells me to go do that, then I understand that now I am working in His authority. 
Now I don't have to, I don't have to make anything happen. He has to back his word because this is what he told me and I'm working in it. He's going to make his promises come true. His word will never return void. But we got to be careful. We should be watching that because there are people who take passages like this and they run wild. And that's not what we're, that's not what we want to do. We want to be led by the Spirit. I don't want to outstep over the Spirit. I don't want to, I'm not a, a magician performing miraculous signs so that way we can be the great and powerful Dan. <laughs> that's not, that's not what Christians are supposed to be. But we're supposed to be working in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. So when He tells me to do something, I know he's going to back his move. That's how we don't end up in situations where we're promising things that are not based on the word of God because the word of God never spoke it. But we're walking in what the spirit leads us into. So let's go to John chapter 20. Verses 21 and 22. And again he said, peace be with you. This is, this is John's version of him sending out his disciples. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Christ didn't just send these apostles out on their own, but he gave them the Spirit to go with them. Just like we walk in the Spirit under the authority in faith in Jesus Christ. Man, that's so powerful, guys. I, like, when this hit me, it, it hit me hard. Do you want to say something? I, it's not on my slides. Can you read it? You know, I was... Thank you, Brother Travis. Yes, that, that, he's, that's why he's my right-hand man back here. I was actually going to put that on this slide because I read that and that was a powerful point and I left it off. And I'm, I thank you for letting the Spirit move you to speak that because you're, you're right. We have the ability to forgive the sins. That's what it said. That's what it says. It doesn't say we have the ability to point out people's sins, beat them over the head with it, and make them feel terrible about it. And it doesn't say that we have the ability to give them permission to live in that sin. Mm. Because we have churches falling in each ditch on each side of the world, uh, road. But there's a middle path that's very clear. I can give them forgiveness from sins. And the pastor's been nailing this. Forgiveness means the eradication, the annihilation of sin. I can give them the ability for sin not to exist in their life. Not for them to become the slave to their sin and be comfortable with it. That's not what we want. I don't want to tell someone who's an alcoholic who walks into this church, guess what? God guess God loves you anyways. He doesn't want you to suffer because that's not love. Yeah, God loves you so you can just keep, you can drink yourself right to death and walk in heaven and everything's going to be awesome. No, that's not giving them forgiveness from sin. That's, that's allowing sin. That's not eradicating sin. That's not getting sin out of their life. But we, under the authority of Christ, can loose the chains of the bound. We can cast evil spirits off of people. There's a wonder why they call alcohol spirits. <laughs> but we can cast those spirits out of those people's lives. By working in the authority of Christ, by using the word coming out of your mouth, 
What the Holy Ghost is telling you to tell somebody is the Word. Let that Word work in their life to free them from their sin. That's, that's so powerful, man. We need that taught today in this world more than ever. We, the, the devil would love nothing more for, than for us to get comfortable in our sins. Was it Stockholm Syndrome? Or someone kidnaps you and you've been kidnapped for so long you just get comfortable in it? You're like, ah, okay, I guess it's alright that they beat me. I'll stay here for a little bit longer. No, that's, Christ called us to victory. He called us to be overcomers. He gave us this authority to overcome sin in our life. So how am I going to tell someone that they can continue to live in it? That's the opposite of what Christ is teaching here. Christ is teaching us to eradicate it, to become the masters over sin. The sin doesn't master me. Oh, I have to do that again. No, I cast you out. I know the King. I know God. And I'm working in His authority. Actually, I'm His body here on Christ, on earth. And I've been filled with His powerful Spirit that gives me the power to heal the sick, so whatever the devil's told me that I'm, you're depressed, so you need to, you need to sin. No, I can heal the sick, so if I'm sick, I can heal it. I can raise the dead, so if you're living in a world of sin and death, you can be raised to a life of new living for Christ. And our lives should be an example of that to people. Because no one's gonna believe that you have the power of resurrection in you if you're still living as a dead man. But when you let the power of the Holy Ghost renew your life and make a new creature out of you with the mind of Christ and the body of Christ, we become an example of the resurrection power of Christ. That's what changes this world. We can tell people all day long, oh, well, you know, you can, you, can, you can do better in your life. Yeah, those are great words. Show them they can do better. Show them that sin doesn't master you. Show them that nothing can stop God's message from going forth to this world. I don't need to be comfortable in my sin. I need to eradicate it out of my life so that I can continue to do the work God set us here on this earth to do. So let's go to Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. And then he told them, and this is Christ right at the end, the Great Commission, where he, he is getting ready to go up into heaven. And he's basically, All right, I'm not going to be here on earth no more, guys. I'm not going to be down here to help you guys the way I've, I've been and the way I love to be. But now I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of my Father. So I need you to take care of this kingdom down here on earth while I'm up there. Thank God he is too, because he's sitting at the right hand of our Father pleading for us. So as he's up there doing our work, we should be down here doing his work. So he tells them, go into all of the world and preach the good news to everyone. Ah, I, I taught a few weeks ago on the good. You know what? We, I did teach, but we didn't get that recorded. So nobody knows about that. But we, I taught about the good news and how we're supposed to be spreading the good news to everybody we come in contact with. This world doesn't need to be told about all the bad stuff. We've got plenty of news channels that take care of that all the time. But we need to be spreading the good news, which is about the Word of God. That's why I don't like to get distracted in conversations that don't pertain to the kingdom. 
I, we could talk about stuff that doesn't matter all day long, but when we're living in a day and age that we're living in today where people are struggling and people are hurt and they're wondering if there's a God who's real, I should be spending my time spreading that good news that, hey, I found the Messiah. I found the promise that th that's going to make this world better. That's where we got to make sure we focus our attention on. Because this was the Great Commission. Go to all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Don't leave out certain people that you don't think, well, they don't need it. No, to everyone. That's what's going to make them better. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mm. Baptism is a representation, it's a sign. God's into signs. That's why we're filled with the Holy Ghost as an example of the rebirth of spiritual life. Again, to represent our rebirth and physical life that's to come. And again, baptism is a sign of death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we do it. Same thing with communion. We do these in honor of Christ. He, he, he commanded us to do it. We obey His Word and we continue in His mission that He set out here on earth. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And that is a very harsh statement. The world who doesn't believe and accept Jesus Christ will be condemned. That's, that's terrible. I should not want that for anybody. I should want everyone, just like Christ does, everyone to be saved. I shouldn't be pushing that on people. Oh, you know, well, they're going to hell. That's not a small subject. That's not, that's not something lightly that, that we throw around. That's a big deal. That's eternal damnation. I should not want that for anyone. If I love, any, if, I, if I have Christ living in me, I shouldn't want to see anybody go to hell. I want everybody I've ever met to have an opportunity to be with Christ in heaven. And we, as the body of Christ, we need to keep that in our, in our focus. Nobody's not good enough to go to heaven. Some people may be wrapped up in some dark spirits that need to be healed. Guess what? That's your job. <laughs> some people may have some sicknesses and some diseases in their life that make it hard for you to be around them, but that's your job. We're going to pray for them. We're going to heal them. We're going to keep working as the body of Christ the whole time, never leaving anyone out. Everyone has a work for this. Because you remember back a few chapters ago when, I, when we saw God's heart and His prayer? There's... The fields are white. The laborers are few. Anyone who's not against us is for us. So let's get these laborers in here. Now, I've got people coming into my work. We've been short staffed, so we're everywhere is. So <laughs> we're hiring like crazy, and i got people who are coming in there. And they, not everybody knows how we do things there. I can't treat everybody like they're stupid and, well, you know what, just get rid of them. They don't know how to do this job. That's not going to help our business. We need people. So it's now my job to train these people, get them up to par, get them working. And if I bring them in there and I discourage them every day and tell them how terrible of a job they're doing and they're not doing good enough, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go find a new job. 
But if I can take them in and I can give them love and support and help them, show them and tell them, you know what, you're good enough. Don't worry. I know, I know you haven't, I know you don't know this job and you can't do it like I do it. I've been here four years. But guess what? You're doing fine for someone who's been here a week and I'll help you and I'll teach you and we'll get better and we'll grow together. And once you show them that you're willing to love them and accept them and help them, then they trust you and they start practicing what you say to them. I stepped into the supervisor position and at first, you know, I was coming from another apartment. Nobody knew who I was and they were like, who's this guy? And it took me a little bit to show them, hey guys, I'm here to help you. I don't, I don't care. Uh, you know, I, my paycheck's going to show up at my house either way. I don't, have, I don't have production I have to do now. So my only job now as a boss is to make sure you guys are successful. Now once they understand that, now they don't doubt it. If I walk over to them and I say, hey buddy, that part's in backwards, let's, let's flip that around. They go, alright, you got it Dan. Because they know in their head, Dan's not leading me astray. Dan's here to help me. That's how the church has to be to these new believers. They're not condemned. They're not doing bad. Oh, well, he might not have it all set up right. You know what? That's okay. We're going to help them. We're going to love them. We're going to teach them. We're going to grow them. And eventually they're going to, they're going to see. They're going to learn. They're going to, they're going to come to the place of understanding. And we, if we scare them off or we push it too fast, we're going to ruin what God set out. And then they could be condemned. We can't wish that on people, man. We, like that's Christ. God gave His Son, because that's how terrible being condemned is. We need to remember that these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So if we go out, we teach the good word. We believe. We get baptized. We start showing people the way. This is the signs that will follow us. We will cast out demons in His name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes safely. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't harm them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. He said that if you get baptized and you believe, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, these things you can do. Why, not, not because you're powerful. And that's, we need to remember that because I, I believe that's why a lot of this doesn't take place in our churches. We don't see these miraculous signs because people are always thinking it comes from them. Like, I'm going to be a miracle worker. I'm going to save the lost. No, you're going to work in the authority of Jesus Christ. You got, and again, we got two sides. We got some people who think, all right, I'm so powerful. I'm going to heal the sick. And then we have other people who think, I'm not good enough. I'm terrible. Who am I to heal the sick? Both are wrong. It's not about us. It's not about me. But it's about the authority of Jesus Christ. When I come up here at the altar and I pray for people who are up here at the altar, I'm not praying for people because Dan Tackett's so awesome that he's got all the right things to say. And I would be ashamed if I didn't pray with them because I thought Dan Tackett was such a miserable person that he's no good. I have to find myself in faith in the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for them because I know God is good.
and he works through me as his body on this earth. And that's, that's why we should. Because someone else might not understand that authority. But if we as a body understand that authority, we'll have no problem laying our hands on someone and praying for them. We'll have no problem. Hey, you know what? I can see he's battling something. I'm, I'm going to rebuke that evil spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. It's got to go. Not because of me, but I, like the Roman officer, I remember how authority works. So I don't have to go all the way over to that person's house and straighten up everything in their life. I can speak the word from where I stand and I can let the authority of God do the work in their life that needs to be done because I have faith and I know how authority works. Man, that is good stuff, guys. God wants His church to act this way. He wants us to act this way. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I would rather not, right? We would all rather not. I'd rather just sit in our spot, read our Bible. God's good. He's got my life. I'm all right. But that's not what He called us to do. He called us to step out of our comfort zone. I don't care if people call it blasphemy. Who do you think you are? God, no. I'm the body of Christ. I'm, it's not about me. It's about His kingdom. I... If I'm having a rough time and somebody calls me up and they need me to pray for something, it doesn't matter what rough time I'm going through because I'm not tapping into my own power source. I can be having a terrible time, but I still know the authority of Jesus Christ and I can pray and He can do the heavy lifting. He can do the hard work. But we've got to walk in that authority. And again... We should be running out and picking up snakes and drinking poison every time we turn around. <laughs> that is not what God's telling us here. But what it's saying to us is as we go forward in this work, the devil's attempts to take us out and stop this work will not be successful. Paul got bit by a snake and he shuck it off in the fire and went about the king's business. And that's exactly how we need to be. It's not about us. So guess what? God's going to preserve my life while I'm being his body on earth. He works out the rest. So let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. For 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So here Christ, finally he sets up the church. He keeps telling them, guys, this is coming. Wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to fill you with power. We're going to do this. And now he's going away. And he spends 40 days instructing them. Okay, guys, this is what I want the church to do. That's why the book of Acts is so powerful. We need to read the book of Acts. As someone told me before, uh, the book of Acts is like the, uh, the, the laboratory for a scientist. <laughs> if we want to see what works in the church, go look in the book of Acts. If that, if that works out in the book of Acts and you see it in the book of Acts, then that's what our church should be doing. Because this is Christ comes back in, in, in a resurrected body for 40 days to teach to us how the church, how his body is supposed to act on earth. And here we have an example in the book of Acts what they actually did. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. 
Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now churches have not wanted people to experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We have, we have Christians who are believing God and they get baptized. But that Holy Ghost stuff's a little crazy. But Christ, after 40 days, says to them, this is important, guys. It's important that you be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. So, John told you about being baptized with water. But I told you we're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? He replied, and the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So he's like, certain things are not going to be your authority, or you don't have the authority over. You don't have the ability to determine what kingdoms are being raised up on earth and what's being established on earth. That's... Don't worry about that. That's up to God. That's up to God. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. So they were like, hey, is he going to establish the kingdom? Is this all about Israel? Is this about our nation? Is this about our life, this earth? And Christ says, no. That's not the authority I've given you guys. I, I'm not giving you guys the authority over who's in office or who's going to do this. That's not the authority I want you to worry about. There's a better authority that I want you to worry about. I want you to be my witnesses. As the body of Christ, I want you to show people who I am. And God is love. You guys believe that? God is love. That's what we're to be showing this earth. We're to show them love. That's how they're going to see Christ. Everywhere. Everywhere we go, we should be showing them Christ. Until the ends of the earth. I should be showing them that we're working in the authority of Christ by doing the things that Christ did. By, by loving, of course, by, by coming alongside sinners, sitting with them, eating with them, teaching them how to better their life, by casting out evil spirits, by healing the sick, by visiting people who are in hospital, by giving somebody who's thirsty a drink of water. Everywhere we go, everything we do should be a witness to the resurrection power of Christ. Forgiving sins. Eradicating sins. When I see my brother fighting in sin, I shouldn't, but well, he's going to hell. That's the end of that game. No. Because you're the body of Christ. And what did Christ do? He didn't let people wallow in sin. He lifted them out of it. The woman caught in adultery. He didn't tell her, it's okay, we're going to love you. Now go out there and commit all the adultery you want. <laughs> I got your back. That's not what he said to her. He picked her up. He didn't let her be discouraged. He didn't let her be beat up. He picked her up and he said, look, no one, no one here is condemning you. 
You're, you're saved. You're going to make it to heaven. Now go and sin no more. Go and show the rest of the world that you have the power to overcome sin. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2. Because on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were gathered together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is powerful. In the beginning, God created Adam from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils. Brother Carl, what is the, uh, what's the, the Greek word, the definition for spirit? Numa. Breath. 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 Wind. Wind. God just showed me that this week and I was blown away. I was like, we did a whole Bible study on the breath of God. And it's Old Testament as well. Yeah. So the breath of God. So when God's spirit hovered above the water, he spoke life. Then he made man from the dust of the earth. So he formed him a body. Then he breathed the breath of life into him. His spirit into that man. And then he made him a living soul, an eternal being, a living soul. That's how God created man. And then Adam fell, and, and they told Adam when he fell, you will, you will die this day. And all of a sudden, we don't, we don't have, we, we need to be filled with the Spirit again. And Christ said, unless something is planted and dies, it cannot re reproduce new life. So he's saying, in order for me to give you a rebirth, Nicodemus didn't get this. He was like, how do I be born again? Do I crawl back into the womb? And Christ is like, no, you don't get it. You're dead. Your spirit died. Adam's spirit was taken away when he refused to obey God and he listened to the devil instead. But there can be a spiritual rebirth. That's where you must be born again, Nicodemus. You need that spirit living inside you. And then when Christ took his, his 12 disciples and he sent them out, we just read it. He breathed on them and said, receive the spirit. Because Christ is an eternal God who wrapped himself in flesh, has a body, and is a spirit. So he is three in one like he created us in his image. So we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have this rebirth so we can be the body of Christ here on earth. If I'm going to be an example of Christ, I need to be three in one, just like he is. Three are one. Amen. Let's move to 1 Peter 3 and 2. Or 3 and 22. Now Christ has gone to heaven... And he is seated in a place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So this is what Christ did after Pentecost. He comes to Pentecost. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he goes and sits at the right hand of the Father in a place of honor. And all angels and all authorities and powers accept his authority. 
all the powers on earth. Let's go to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Because this is what we're called to be like, guys. We're called to be Christ's ambassadors on this earth. In Philippians, he tells us, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God to be something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names, that is in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have the attitude of Jesus Christ here on earth. Though he was equal with God, he humbled him. Just like we're his body, I'm not going to be puffed up and prideful. I'm going to be humbled, but I'm going to understand. And then God elevated him to the place of honor. And gave him the name above all names. And that's the same name we work in today. It's that name that we represent. When we pray for someone at a hospital, I'm not praying for them so Dan Tackett can do a work. I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're representing. That's the authority that we're working under. That's where our power comes from. James chapter 5. Verses 13 through 20. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. So, so again here, in faith... And Christ connected faith with authority. So anyone who offers this prayer, understanding how authority works, will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well when you understand why this is taking place. Why do we have elders at the front of this church praying for people? This is why. Because we understand authority and we understand faith. When I know that that brother standing up here as a representative for Jesus Christ, I should understand that and I should partner my faith with that. Because it's not just Brother Carl praying for me. It's the body of Christ here on earth reaching out and touching my life. And if I really understand authority like a Roman officer... I know Jesus doesn't have to come down here in bodily form and fix my situation. He can tell Brother Carl to put his hand on me and he can be a conduit under the authority of Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit using the power that God left here on earth for his body to wield as an example of who he is. So the world can see a resurrected Savior. That's so powerful. 
Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So people who have committed sins shouldn't feel like they can't come to church. This is where we seek our forgiveness. We come here so our sins can be eradicated. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Guys, man, this is the word of God. This is the promise. This is what we get to do as the church. We have to believe it. We have to, we have to see that it's, it's the authority of Christ that we're working in. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Righteous person. Righteous person. Right standing before God. Somebody who is not confused in their head about whether or not they're a child of God. But someone who understands authority and walks in faith is a righteous person and their prayers affect much. Elijah, here's an example. Elijah was a human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly for no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Man, you guys sick of rainy days in your life? We have the power to stop that rain for three and a half years. Not, and he wasn't even talking like hypothetical like I just was about rainy days in our life. He was talking about the real weather. He was like, that's it. Quit raining. <laughs> and it stopped raining. Because he understood authority. I'm a representative of God. So if God tells me, tell the rain to stop, it's going to stop. Because I'm working under his authority. None fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky set down rain on the earth and it began to yield its crops. So my dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away, wanders away from truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That's what we're doing. We're saving people from death. And that is the resurrection power of Christ. We're witnesses to Him. We can show people how they can turn from death to life. John chapter 14, 12 through 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. This is Jesus telling his disciples. If you believe in me, they'll do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. He tells them twice. Ask for anything. If you guys are working under my authority, I'm going to back my word. So let, be led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Ghost work through you. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is telling you. So you can speak it as the body of Christ and watch it come into play. Last scripture real quick, guys. Let's, 
Let's end in the last book of the whole Bible. Let's go to Revelations chapter 2, verses 26 through 29. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father. And I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. That's what He's telling us today, guys. If we believe and we obey what the Spirit's telling us, He will give us the same authority that He worked in from His Father. And we can go forth as the body of Christ and reach this world. I love this message, guys, because I love messages of hope. I want to tell this world that we know the God who can fix any problem that they can come in contact with. And I can't do that if I think it's up to Dan Tackett to carry this big load. But if I understand authority and I understand faith, I know that God is going to make every promise he put in that Bible come true. And we can stand on it and we can preach it. We can show the world around us. Because you are the only Christ this world's going to see. This week, you're going to be the only Christ that they're going to see. Unless they have a miraculous vision. And we'll pray that happens. But he doesn't need a miraculous vision because he put an example right in front of him. Because you're made in His image. And we can go forth and do the miraculous things on this earth that God's called us to do. So let's pray, and I'll let you guys go forth in the authority of Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Let Your Word become a foundation in our heart, God. That we will build our lives on Your Word, God. That every bit of this we can hand to the people around us as a lifeboat that will help them get to secure ground, standing firmly on You, Lord. We worship You for Your authority, God. We praise You for being a loving God. For loving us and not wanting to see us go to death but giving us an example of resurrection power and that we will go forth and be that example to this world as witnesses of Jesus Christ. We worship you today, Lord. We praise your wonderful name. And in that powerful name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.